right, welcome back, animals, to the Bones Cave. This is Dr. Bones. I'm Professor Bones. And today, we're talking about something Professor Bones has no idea about. Would you like to guess what it is? I could make a few guesses, yeah. I might be anticlimactic, but hit it me with it. Okay, uh, Gangs in New York. Nope. No. Okay, uh, Ghostbusters. Nope. Oh, jeez, Last of the Mohicans. Nope, that is not it. Okay, just tell me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today... We are discussing Spartacus. Oh my god! Oh yeah! Jeez. Okay. That's right. We're gonna dig deep. We're gonna get up in it. Now we're not talking about the Kubrick movie. No. We're talking about the show. Started in 2010, aired on Stars. This is what we're discussing. First thing I'd like to smash it to everybody. Okay. It's just how much this show was a delicious example of narrative speed. Definitely. You know, it didn't have as many seasons as a lot of other shows might. Mm-hmm. Right? And arguably, you could be like, oh, they had the first one, and then they did, like, a prequel season, which, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, was even shorter. Mm-hmm. It was. And then we got two more, and we're done. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of time. No, it's enough. But they play from the, the book of, we got so much to do, you, you will marvel at how fast we go. You will, you will be like, oh, I wish there were more. There was just so much to do. Mm-hmm. We got this season one. We got most shows would have kept everything in the Ludus for like the first era. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of lesser shows would have done that. Sure, they would have spent the entire series just hanging out in that same situation, you know. Yeah. Gladiators living under the thumb of somebody else. Yeah. It's a pretty good setup. You could do a version of that story that's like seven seasons long. You could, and we never really leave the Ludus. It's all body artists and living there and training there, fighting in Capua. You could have done a whole seven seasons there. But Spartacus is like, no, we made you feel like for a second. Like, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're not. Season one, we're done. We're moving on, suckers. Yeah, you are. Yeah, and we probably would have even jumped more or less straight into what season two is about had uh, Andy Whitfield not uh, had cancer. Yeah. The main actor goes down from an illness, and they spend some time being like, okay, hold on, let him see some docs, we'll do something else in the meantime. That's where this prequel season comes from. We can do stories that don't need Spartacus, and then we'll see what happens, and then unfortunately he's not around. He he bowed out before, and then he ended up uh, passing away. But I'd really like to talk about how quick this show goes. So we got, but in a good way. It's just like, it's almost built for the kind of show they were doing, right? It's like, uh, it's emotional juice. It's fueled on emotion. But it's also big on action, big on violence, big on sex. But, but like, it's going for, for visceralness, you know? And what I think is particularly interesting about, about the show in general, but especially season one, is that they get away with, like, flirting with the construct of the world they've set up. Almost in a way that, like, another show would have spent the first era or all seven seasons in the Ludus in this world we've set up. Yeah, they're slaves, but, like, can they eke out some glory or meaning in their lives? A lot of shows would have just done that. They would have kept that the world. Everything else is fair game to change. And this show, it goes ahead and it, it gives you almost a false sense of security. In that season one, I feel like you reach a certain point, like, mid season one-ish where like you feel like that's how it could go and you feel like we've settled in he's gotten rid of some of his rage of like being a thracian who's been brought into slavery he's he's made peace with his wife being gone and like oh my goodness she died and now it's like well i guess there's nothing left for me i'll just do this and i'll do it really well 
So they get that. They get to keep that sense of stability of the world and the type of story we're telling. But right about the time that he's forced to kill like his best friend in that place, once he's forced to kill Varro in front of a bunch of rich scumbags. They will kill us both. There is no choice. There is always a choice. Not this time. Oh man, everything bets her off. Like it switches back into the, the immediacy of the pilot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they, they stack the deck against him a lot right from the jump. And then he has to deal with a lot of different things. And then eventually he just kind of accepts his fate a little bit. I mean, we're just following yeah. the track of this whole first season Spartacus's arc, what we're doing. And yeah, somewhere around the middle, it's just kind of like he lost what he was fighting for. Yeah. He was trying to get free. He was trying to save his wife. And now that she's gone, yeah. that fire goes out a little bit. He's got nothing left. Yeah. He kind of settles in, and then when he's forced to kill Varro, it just lights that fire back up. He starts to ask questions, he starts looking around a little more. Yeah. Things that have been kicking around in his head about what really happened to his wife. Yep. You know, and that fire just <laughs> came back, and then it just exploded out. It's just, it's just so beautiful, right? Like, you spend enough time doing that build, setting up the world, and then once, yeah, his fire goes out, she's gone. He really does sort of, like, for a moment, just analyze, like, oh, well, like, I can't get out and then start my life with her again or go back to what we had she's gone ah oh, like i guess i will just settle in settle in rather and just find whatever meaning i can in this there is especially with somebody like Crixus walking around you do have a model for what that life might look like the Ludus in general is set up to kind of program into your mind that this is a noble endeavor that there is value here, that you can, yeah, 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 you're a slave, whatever, don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the fact that you could be a champion. That you could be the best there is at mortal combat. At being a badass, so badass, that no one can kill you. They kind of play into that uh, almost fantasy of being the ultimate, like, alpha male. While simultaneously asking you to ignore the fact that you are day in, day out, every moment of your life. Subjugated to the will of some scrawny dirtbag with money. Sure. And it's only when, like, he, he had settled in, right? He, he started shifting into that mode. Maybe there's meaning here. Maybe I am, like, one of, at least, if not the best at this. That's, that's valuable. I can do this. And he, and he almost grasped at a sense of honor. Like, he had an understanding with Badiaris. He had, the man had tried to find his wife. The man had found his wife. And then, oh no, cruel happenstance and just the way of the world took her from me and he he commiserated with me he felt my sorrow and he's here to give me some other path while I'm in my darkness but once he has to kill his friend and it's just it's like the most ignoble event he'd possibly run into other than his initial capture and the removal of his wife he's just like there is no honor here it's like you he did it's like you were saying he woke back up to the bigger scope to the meta understanding of his situation and went Wait a minute. I'm just trying to convince myself this isn't dirtbaggery. Well, I mean, I think it plays big into who he was before he became a slave. You know, I mean, he was a soldier. Yeah. Violence was a part of his life. He yes, that's true. He followed somebody else's commands. You know, he was kind of subservient in that way. And so now this is kind of an extension of that. Obviously, it's much worse. Yes, but the much idea more direct. Of honor and glory in the battlefield and taking orders and, you know, something bigger than yourself. I mean, Body Artist is his captor. He's the guy who's keeping him in chains. Yeah. But he kind of thinks like, oh, he's not so bad because he's trying to do this or he's trying to do that. Yeah. He is the warden. He's the guy who's keeping you in prison here. 
Yeah. You he's, know? Like, he's the warden, the state, and the law all at once. Like, he's not just the guy hired to, like, watch after you guys and make sure you don't escape. Like, he's he's your slave owner. Yeah, he's your horse. Slave driver. So this idea that he could even be your friend or try to help you. Yeah. I don't think Spartacus ever really bought into that. You know, I mean, he, uh, he no, yeah. He was using him a little bit to get what he wanted because Spartacus is a smart guy. Yeah. You know, and maybe he liked Fatty Artist a little bit, like, because he's pretty charming, but... Yeah, he, he's you know, good at schmoozing. No, but he would kill him in a second, you know? <laughs> this is true. As, you know, he did. Oh, yeah. Big time. I just think it's it's just such a great flirtation with two different worlds. You know, that's uh, that it struck me definitely in that first season. They're like, man, you're just playing this line where you're ducking in and out of these two different meta ideas. That like, yes, this is my lot in life and I will make the best of it. But also coming back up for air and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is, this sucks. This is ridiculous. I'm being, everything's being taken from me. I'm being used as a prop. You know, parties. Like, this is ridiculous. It's just... It's fantastic, which also gives us uh, like a clean lead-in to when they really do pop back up into that, into that idea that we're slaves, this is not okay, I was taken against my will, and then figuring out, yeah, hey, wait a minute, body artist had my freaking wife killed. He did find her, and then he killed her, and then lied to me about it. Because he was too good of a gladiator, you know? He yeah. Was, he didn't want to let him go. He's like his golden Couldn't goose. let him go. He, his house would probably fall down if, in his absence. Still got Crixus. Still got Animaeus, like, training people, but, you know, that's yeah, not enough. Later in the, you know, in the first season, Crixus gets messed up, you know? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really takes center stage. Wasn't even thinking of that, yeah, it's part of it. Bringer of rain, you know? Like, Crixus got <laughs> annihilated, so, you know, I mean, Spartacus really was the golden goose now. I mean, he really skyrocketed up to being the champion, you know, to really being the main guy. Crixus is out. You know, he, he comes back. Obviously, he always comes back. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, I mean, yeah, Body Artist didn't want to let him go, so he makes these decisions where he's just playing fast and loose with people's lives. You know, he's making business decisions. But these are people's lives, just yeah. like with Varro. It was just about saving face at a party. Apologies, Magistrate. It was agreed this was an exhibition only. It was about satisfying this little kid's freaking, you know, horny dream because what's-her-face told him to. Told him to make sure he tells them the loser has to die. And it's, it's just, a game, oh, you know, it's a game with lives. Birthday party, you scumbags, like what? Numerius has made his decision. I will reimburse you the cost of the man. Pretty awful, you know, but I mean, back to what you were saying about the pacing stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's historical fiction, you know, so yes. the story is laid down. You know what you want to do? You could stretch it over seven years if you wanted to. Yeah. Or we could just hit the beginning, middle, and end, and we got some complications. You know, we did the prequel series. We did, you know, the season zero here. Yeah. It was just a way of, of buying time, but I mean, I, I love the prequel series. I mean, it gave us Gannicus. Yeah. Oh, it so gave good. us so many things that really added value to the show. Gannicus is so great. <laughs> you know, it's better off with a season zero, and I don't think originally they would have done that at all. They would have just no, done no, no, one, no. two, three. So I mean, yeah. I mean, you're talking about pace. Let's do it. Knock them down real quick. And it was like it's the one show that actually went backwards. It is. Yeah, it is kind of funny, right? Uh, how fast did it move? Right. We do one, <laughs> then we go back to zero, then we go two, then we go three, and it's definitely <laughs> worth it. And it's not like they're long seasons either. I no. Mean, you can blast through it. So yes. But the pacing to to have the balls to do that to radically 
completely change what we're doing from season to season. It just escalates with each season, and one and zero are the most similar because we're still in the confines of being slaves in the Ludus, yeah. fighting in the arena, gladiators training. You know, I mean, all that stuff is the same, so it is. you can kind of smash the two together of this part of the story, and then we'll move into two. We'll move into Vengeance. Yeah. We'll see them, you know, they, they break out. They're fugitives. They're yeah. terrorizing Rome. Yeah. And then for three, we can see them full-on soldiers in an army, oh, yeah. you know, waging war against Rome itself. An yeah. escalation of just slave, fugitive, soldier, you know, and just to have Closing that escalation. army. Yeah. Full army and being a serious threat to yeah. Rome itself. Yeah. They climb so quick. And <laughs> yeah, that yeah. race, yeah, it is kind of like, who's going to burn through a show that fast? Unless it's historical fiction, we've got it laid down. How fast do we want to do this? As fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, you know, I that's, mean that's the answer. No, no brakes in this car. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, yeah, you could have, you could have extended it. You could have made room there. You could have done seven seasons. And like, in the end of six, or all of seven, is like, full-on soldier mode, corralling people into an army to go to Rome and fight. But, that's not how they're going, they're doing this. No, you could have made them eras. You know, the whole first era is yeah. like season one. And era two is season two. And era three would be what they did for season three. But I think it works better the way that they did it, I think. Blasting yeah. through it. Yeah. Having each season stand on its own, being so different. I mean, they even gave it different names. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's not even just Spartacus going through. It's blood and sand. It's vengeance. You know, it's like we're going to rename it for the new season yeah, just so you understand, damned. you know, that this is a new chapter. This is like a reinvention of the show. Kind of the way you do it with a new era where it's the same show but different. You know, yeah. but I mean, they know what they're doing. They're saying this is a section, this is one, and then this is one. Yeah. And I don't, and I've never seen a show move that fast. I've never seen them yeah. do that. I mean, mostly because shows try to go for as long as they can. You know, they try to yep. have as much longevity as possible until the audience gets tired. But for this, yeah. it's like, no, we have a story and we're going to do it. And we're not going to waste your time. There's no filler. There's yeah. no treading water. Nope. And that's no part time. of what makes it as good as it is. Without yeah, that, right. it would lose a lot of its punch. It's condensed. It's just condensed goodness. Yeah. And it, and it, yeah, like you were saying, like, it is funny talking about narrative speed, but then, yes, it's one of the few shows that you finish season one, and they're like, hey, hold on, let's do a whole mini-season of what ostensibly you could call flashbacks that happened before our main character even arrived on the scene. But what, what it might be even surprising is that you, at least I, didn't miss it. Like, I wasn't frustrated no. by the step backwards. It was, like, I just loved it and you and on paper you're sitting there going how how the hell is this gonna work literally our main character who even if you weren't partial to him even if you watched somehow all of season one and you're like yeah spartacus is okay but i like everybody else more that's why i watch it even if that's your headspace you're it's he's still the driving emotion of the show he's still the driving plot and character trajectory so how are you possibly gonna step back in time to before he was around and make people care? And make people feel like this is okay and I'll show up next season when you actually pick back up where we left off with Spartacus. But they do it. They do it beautifully. They do. I mean, it's, it's a testament to how good the prequel show was. I mean, to get to see Fatty Artist before, yeah. to get to see Crixus when he first enters the house. Yep. Like, you know, I mean, 
getting to see those characters, you like them enough that you are interested to see. And it is radically yeah, different. It's not just them a few years back. Like, Crixus is a different person, yeah. practically. The way that we knew him, to getting to see him first coming in, being the new guy. The yeah. confidence isn't there. Nope. You know, the, the pride isn't there. Oh. He's still figuring everything out. He's really green. That's yeah. the complete opposite of what we saw before. Yeah. And to be able to, you know, see these characters in a new situation, even though it's backwards, it still yeah. feels like progress in defining who these characters are. Yeah, that's true. Who they are. You know, you are moving forward according to the audience, the way that we see them and perceive them. Yeah, you are doing character work by just putting the audience back in time to witness a different period of their life where they were different people. So you haven't moved forward in chronological time from when you started seeing, say, Crixus, but because you're there to gain a deeper appreciation or understanding of who these people are and where they come from, it, it works. And, and you have Ganicus. Ganicus! Champion of the House of Bacchiatus! <laughs> I mean, he's it, so great. In season one, they did set up some history. You do have an idea of how long Crixus has been here. Yeah. You understand some things about Animaeus, that he had a wife and she died under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. You know, you have an understanding of Batiardis and his relationship with his father and stuff. Yeah. We get tastes of it, and to move it back, and we get to fill in all those blanks, you still need something to ground it. You still need, like, a main character. Yeah. And you can't be Spartacus, so here's yeah. this guy. You know, he's, you know, he is similar to Spartacus in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, as a lead, he, he carries the show really well. But he is fundamentally yeah. a completely different guy with different themes wrapped oh, up yes. in his character. He's oh, much yes. more roguish. He's much more about the ladies and yeah. wine and glory and just being the best. You know, in Spartacus... Yeah. Just being the gladiator. Like, yeah. he's, if Spartacus reluctantly participates and just happens to be great at it, Ganicus, like, kind of relishes in the, like, this is what I'm good at, and this is what I do. I wouldn't be surprised if he volunteered, you know, <laughs> yeah. just to get a shot. Different worlds. He, if he were born a free man and just kind of wandered into town, he'd be like, wait a minute, what? Can I sign up? Can I? What, what's it cost? Can I, what, how do I put my hat in the ring? He'd totally be on it. And part of what makes it really work is the fact that he is that good. You know, when he's got the yep. arrogance and he's got the swagger and he's got the, I know I'm the best, so like sometimes I'm going to sit out training because I'm hungover from last night. <laughs> and that's okay. Like he's a freaking slave, but it was like, nah, he's okay. He's the golden goose. Yeah. And he wants to be here in certain ways. I mean, he does earn his freedom and ultimately that's yes. what he wanted. He wasn't here by choice, but he really True. did love the arena and he loved the attention and yes. he loved the glory so much so that he was really happy. He really settled in. He doesn't yeah. like being a slave, but you know, everything that we saw, he really enjoyed what he was doing. Yeah, and once he was free, like there was a longing there. There was a definite, once we see him again later, in, uh, in Vengeance, he, he definitely is kind of just aimlessly wandering around. He's pretty lost. You know, he lost his purpose. He lost what he wanted to do. Yeah. You know, and that conflicting idea of, I want to be free, he worked so hard to earn it. Yeah. You know, and then once he has it, he doesn't really do anything with it. He's just like, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's ladies and wine all day, every day. You know? Yeah. But that's not really what he wants. But with the slow depreciation of meaning in his life, because the thing he is good at is not something outside of joining an army maybe which is a different very structured situation outside of that like he the thing he's good at is is gladiator fights 
So he's not a gladiator anymore. Like, he, he literally can't exercise his skill. It's the thing he's best at. And by getting his freedom, he can't, he can no longer do it. And it's like, so just over time, he'll enjoy the freedom and women and wine for a while. But the more time goes by, he just kind of like, whoa, what's missing? Why am I so, like, bored, dissatisfied? You're Ganicus, the gladiator who gained his freedom. Shadow of the same. Freedom was supposed to be great. It's not the freedom. It's the fact that you don't get to be your best self. And I think that plays a lot into the general themes of what they did with all of the major characters. I mean, I'm talking mostly about Spartacus, Crixus, Anicus. Yeah. I'll even throw Animaeus <laughs> in there. All the usses. You know, all the usses. <laughs> that they all were wrapped up in an idea of what do you fight for? Why do you do what you do? What motivates you? What drives you? You know, Spartacus. Yeah, that's true. For a lot of it, it was about revenge. And it was a lot about vengeance. Oh, yes. Like season two is named after. The Roman finally learns his place before us. Yep. And for him, it was a lot about honor and a lot about freedom. And he had kind of you know, loftier ideas. It's why he does literally take the fight to Rome. Like, it wasn't just about bringing down the house, the Ludus. You know, it wasn't just about... Yeah, it doesn't stop there. ...getting his revenge, getting his vengeance in two by taking out Glover. Like, in three, he wasn't done. He got what he wanted. He yeah. got his revenge. He killed the two guys that were responsible for his life going to hell. Yeah. Why is he still doing it? It was like... Because the system is corrupt. Field is thick with the dead. Deserve it, fate. For all who would see us again to shackle and whip. Yeah. Because I literally want to rebel against society itself. This will not stand. Yeah. I'm going to raise an army and I'm going to keep going. Because that, that now is his life. Yep. He doesn't have anything else to go back to. Yeah. That is what drives him now. The rest of it was this, burnt down. Yeah, not just revenge and vengeance, but now it's about justice. Let Roe send their legions. We will face them. And see all follow Glaber in death. Yeah! Yeah. You know, it's gotten more philosophical. It's gotten loftier. And it's, to see I mean, him evolve and change in his ideas, but then also stay exactly the same. I mean, Crixus and Ganicus, they did that even more so, that they stayed exactly the same. Yeah, they're they pretty always much... were, you know, and yeah. they didn't have as much growth, but I mean, I liked that because they were consistent. They stayed <laughs> yeah. with it. That, like, Crixus really was a slave, big time, you know, like his whole life. Yeah. We know a little bit about his history. Yeah. We know that at a young age he was a slave already, you know, working at somebody's house or yeah. whatever, you know, and, and shopped around before he became a gladiator. He kind of landed in it. Yeah. And he had that sense of pride and he had that sense of anger. That's part of why he had that pride, right? Because it was a level up from what he knew. Yeah. It was a, it was an opportunity to be something greater than he was born into and then he may have looked around and said, I'll never get out of this. But he was given an opportunity for a slightly larger life and he just, boom. I will be the best at this. I will be the undefeated Gaul. Yeah, he, he climbed that social ladder. This is the best his life has ever been. As yeah. the king of the Ludus here, as, you know, his name is on everybody's lips, everybody's shouting his name. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's the highest he's ever reached. But the anger is still there. You oh, know, yeah. Subjugation is still there. That's something he still can't stand. I mean, he was literally being used for his body, not just to kill, oh, gross. but yeah. also for all the sex stuff, you know, and yeah. it was like... Lucretia. Lucretia thinks that she, you know, loves him and he loves her. Oh, God. And I was just like, no. It's so I mean, weird. He's, he's only saying it because you want him to. He's in love with another slave over here, you know? Like, yep. he has a love, you know? And he wants his freedom, and he wants that life. Maybe, yeah. Uh, denied, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, all of that subjugation, it just fuels the anger that we get to see explode out of him in vengeance. I mean, you're saying vengeance yeah. as in it's like Spartacus's vengeance, but it's just as much Crixus's, you know? Like, he's really in it. He really wants to kill just everybody. <laughs> And it's interesting, right? Because he, he, it all, that only happened for him once he let himself connect into that anger. Mm. 
Like, it was always there. And you can argue maybe he always just channeled it into his fights. Mm. Like, he only allowed himself to get into it in the arena. But once towards the end of one, once he, like, decides to help Spartacus, mm. that's when he really gets to, like, feel into, connect into that burning rage that's been there the whole time. Which, you know I mean? And it will not stop until the end of the show. Like, yeah, until I mean, he dies. It's really tapped into Navia, you know, when, when they take yeah. her. Yeah. When they send her away, that's when he decides, okay, I gotta get out of here. Yep. We gotta break out, we're gonna kill everybody, we're gonna be fugitives, all the madness. He's gonna tear down this house that made him great, <laughs> made him a legend, you know? He's gonna destroy yep. it. Yep. We're gonna her. kill them all. Which, when you know anything about his life, I mean, she's the only person he's ever loved, right? I yep. mean, he's been in a slave since he was a teenager. Like, yeah. he's been in this house for a long time. This is his first and only love, and then she was taken away, you know? She was sent away. She was sold. Yeah. Like, property, you know, and that... It's the oh, same man. type of stuff Spartacus suffered under, that, like... Yeah. I had something good, and people who thought they were better than me took that away from me. Mm. They took this other human being I loved and sent her away. And he gets that shift, the same way that Spartacus had it with Varro, you know? Like, he needed that kick. Yeah. He's already been through hell, but he needs one more thing just to completely change him around. And be like, no, 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 I almost got comfortable for a second. Yeah. And Crixus, it was the same way. You take away the one thing he cares about, and all bets are off. Yeah. It's you know? it's funny that they just make bad decisions. Like, right? Like, it's made with, like, oh, I need to send this trick. No. These are bad. These are not smart decisions because you are creating supervillains. Oh, I'm gonna kill Spartacus' wife, and he won't find out, and then he'll, he'll just stay focused, he'll dig deeper on the gladiator thing, and I'll be, he'll just be raining gold for all my days. It's like, no, dummy, have you not learned? He's smart as hell. He's gonna put it together. And even if he didn't, I mean, he doesn't want, he's a slave, he doesn't want to be here. Yeah. He wanted to get comfortable and settle in. And I was like, no, you know. Oh, he's, he's never gonna Crixus. do that. He's always gonna have a reason to leave because he's not a slave. He wasn't before. Nope. Crixus was a little more broken in the fact that, like, he's been a slave almost his entire life. Yeah, you've got you some know? bad programming into his head already, so maybe he would, like, make peace with this as his life. But not Spartacus, man. Yeah. And they've got these set mentalities like I was talking about before they have these motivations they have these drives yeah. and with Ganicus it was like what does he care about and it was like he cares about his friend Animaeus yeah that's you know, definitely that's true wanting to make up for what happened with Animaeus and his wife back in you know season zero yeah. here he cared about her too yeah you know, yeah and she died you know yeah. the injustice of everything it took her yeah you know he was kind of forced to betray his best friend but then he kind of falls in love with her yep. you know I mean uh, you just feel bad for like everybody yeah all three of them you're like Oh, no! Oh. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, it is kind of great. as From a story perspective, that's the best thing you could do. Oh, yeah. Force them together, and then Ganicus catches some feelings. Yeah. <laughs> ah, caught some feels. But then it's like, it's my best friend's wife. I'm a scumbag. I gotta make it up to the guy. And that's that's really what drives him and pulls him in into in vengeance. You know, why he yeah. joins up with these rebels. Why, you know, he yeah. was living the life of a free man. And then why would he join up? Because yeah. of Animaeus. You know, it's always about this connection to somebody else that motivates them. Yeah. Yo, speaking of season zero, so, like, this is one of the few shows out there that, that went this far to be, like, our second season, as you're watching us, is actually gonna jump fully back in time. It all takes place before the pilot. So, given that, what do you think... How do you think the seventh season structure lays on top of Spartacus? Like, would you go ahead and count 
season zero as really just kind of a, a part of the structural season one, even though you watch those past episodes after you've seen all of season one? Or do you think it's genuinely like, it doesn't feel at all like season two, really? Though there are contradictions and, and some other stuff that you commonly see in season two. I mean, I think the most interesting part about it is because while chronologically it's season zero, it's taking place before season one, yeah. it is the second thing that you're seeing. Yeah. Now, they're not doing it expecting you to have not seen season one. I mean, it's all built yeah. around the idea that you have seen one. So yeah, in a lot of ways, it is season two, so... You shouldn't watch, yeah. like, Zero, like, Gods of the Arena, and then watch Blood and Sands. That'd be weird. Yeah. You could. I don't know what that looks like. It might not be terrible, but... Nah. But they're writing it and making it assuming you've seen season one, so you should watch it the way it came out. So it has structural elements that, you know, is like season two. Yeah. You know, you've got Body Artist's dad here. You've got certain Authority elements. figures. And, you know, and you've got new blood in the form of Gannicus and things yep. like that, but contradiction of Spartacus not being here. There are elements. <laughs> yeah, and, and the character, like how we see Crixus, yeah, it's a contradiction to his, his character in, in one. Everybody's flipped. And Body artist, same thing. Yeah. Like, we got a lot of that contradiction just because we went far back enough in time that, you know, everybody was living pretty different. So, I mean, it is season two structurally in certain ways. We've even got, arguably, the meaningful death. Sure. It's Anamase's wife. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I show like Spartacus, you're dropping people. Yeah, a lot of two people Two or three, die. four, people are going to die every season. So, <laughs> yeah, meaningful death gets lost a little bit in a show like that. But it's also kind of season seven of Gannicus's story. All we got to see... <laughs> That's true. ...was the end of his story. This is when he gets out. Yeah. You know, it's the end of that story for him. But it's also kind of like season one for Gannicus for us and the way that we first see him and yeah. it's like that's his first season of being the champ and he gets out and we're gonna track where he goes after that like his life yeah. after the Lutus which I mean Spartacus season one season two that's what they did they only did a season as a slave and a gladiator yeah. and then we move on what happens after that so I mean it yeah. is kind of a season one it's a season two it's a season seven it's this juicy <laughs> little mix of everything yeah. it's all of the above yeah and then well and then taking this lens at it where do you think vengeance falls like is it a is it a different type of season two or is it more of a three well, I mean, I think that's interesting that for Gods of the Arena, for Season Zero, yeah. they did incorporate Season 2 elements because it was the second you know, chapter here. Yeah, second when, viewing piece. Yeah, but when we get to Vengeance, I think that's just a straight Season 2. That's yeah. just uh, coming right off of Season 1. We roll into Season 2. It's not also simultaneously Season 3. Like, no, it's just <laughs> Season 2. So, I mean, for the pace of the show, you did kind of get a sort of Season 2 followed up by the real Season 2. Well, but there are like it's an interesting weird little you know stew because you do you could look at it a little bit like killing glamour is sort of the end of an era yeah, like, I they would, do a lot to make it not feel that way. No, I would, I would so, call, like, more of the dragon slay, though. I mean, that's... Ah, uh, yeah, you're right, that's true. One. He's still out there in the second one. We got the other bad guy, Fatty Artist, and now I still gotta get Glover, and that's the main... Yeah, you gotta work your way up the chain. Two. We gotta get the other guy who started all of this. Yeah. And it is just a straight dragon slay. One, two, and then we're dealing with Fallout in three. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I wouldn't say it's season three at all. I mean, you could, you could try to make an argument that it is the end of an era <laughs> by killing him, but I would say, nah, it's Dragon Slay. That's a little, you know. yeah. It's yeah, yeah. You're right. It's much more than Dragon Slay. I wasn't thinking about it that part because it is because season zero. If you were to try and look at that, right, like, oh, 
Blood and Sand, season one is season one. And then Gods of the Arena is the next thing we see. So, even though, like, chronologically for the story, it's season zero, but like, oh, but we saw it. Second, so it's season two. And then, uh, Vengeance is season three, and then War of the Damned, season four, and it's over. But, like, if you try to look at Vengeance as season three, uh, one of the bigger problems there, right, is that Gods of the Arena, it doesn't really have much of anything to do with Spartacus doesn't have much to do with the slaves freeing themselves from body artists Ludus and then wreaking havoc on the populace and like what the consequences of that are. Like season zero is, is about related things, but the narrative, the story, and arguably the era, if you're trying to build it that way, yeah, it doesn't really feel like the middle piece. No, it's not. That's why I like to think of it as season zero. Yeah. I don't want to call it sort of season two or anything like that. Yeah. Because it's... it does mess up the flow a little bit of one, two, three. You know, that's yeah. why I like it's zero. It is it's season like zero. It's a mini series. Let's take a little detour over here, do all this cool stuff, and then we come back and we're doing season two. Yeah. But because you saw it second, they had enough intuition or conscious understanding of the structure to be like, you know what, we're gonna throw in some season two-like stuff into the structure of season zero, so that because you're watching it as the piece number two, you don't feel like it's off or it's weird or it doesn't work. We're gonna give you enough of a season two-ish feel that you're on board with us. But then we'll go to Vengeance and it'll be hardcore for realsies season two. Yeah, so I would say that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. We got, also this show, I think, is, uh, it's got some sweet, sweet moments. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're, if we're reaching, it's a show, but if we're reaching out of the moment, Cubby, I think we got a few choice ones. What do we got? We got definitely, one of my favorites is, I mean, and arguably maybe this isn't like, uh, uh, like our typical definition of like a moment moment where like, you know, it's something that you, you bring more reality into the story by having someone be not so polished. This is more one of those moments that's just like expertly executed, dramatically satisfying. It's like a, it's not a mess up, it's not a mistake, it's not a humanity because you screwed up. No, it's more of just a, yes, that's exactly, like, kind of like what we were saying with the OC with Sandy. Saying stuff that you're like, oh, I wish you would say that, oh my goodness, he's doing it. Ho ho! It's that kind. End of season one. They, they storm into Body Artist's house. All of the gladiators. They've made it in. They're killing everybody. And then he's got Body Artist and Lucretia in that little fountain pool. And he's got, I think, uh, she, I believe, she's already wounded. I think Crixus already put a blade in her gut. Yeah, he stabbed you already. She right? came out all bloodied. There we go, yeah. So she's like, oh my god, I'm dying. And like, oh, he stabbed right through the unborn fetus in my guts. And then Spartacus, they're surrounded by like everybody's looking. And Body Artist is just like on his hands and knees in the water. And he's standing, or no, he's like on his hands and knees in front of Spartacus. The gladiator, the bringer of rain. And he's just like, he's like, what's the problem? Just go to her, save her. And like, but he knows he'll stop him. He knows he's going to stop him. And it's just that moment of like, the entire story up until this point crystallized in a moment. It's, you took my wife, you murdered my wife. Yours is dying right here in front of all of us, in front of you, and you can't do shit to stop it. You think yourself a powerful man because you have status or money, but all that stands between you is me and a blade, and you can't do anything about it. This has been one between you and her. It's a reversal of power. I mean, the whole first season is built around the idea that these really strong, capable gladiators are still underneath somebody else's boot. Yeah, somehow they're this physically strong. Mm. 
Powerful, proven in the arena as death machines. Fiercely, just deadly and unstoppable. Except when you put them in chains and then, you know, put them in a cell. Yeah. You know, and Body Artist has this control over them, and that's the inherent injustice here. Yeah. You know, and then to have a scene that just flips it. And that's the whole, that's the conclusion here. This is the big climax of where this story is going. It's, it's the conflict <laughs> between these two power systems. Yeah. And then you flip it, and you show him to be the weak, you know, useless man that he is. That he has nothing. Yeah. In a natural world where he doesn't have any this illusion of power. Yeah. There's nothing he can do. And there's no social structure backing up his institutional power over these guys. He's useless. He is absolutely at their mercy. But he's also, when he's in power, shown very little of it. So why would they? It's just part of the reason that all of these people are dying. It's like, it's finally come time. Like, the chickens come home to roost. Like, it's over. And it's it's part of the delicious, like, themes and then wrapped up this, something this show does very well, right? Is the world, the themes, and the story, and the practicality of the world. It all feeds into each other. And what they do, episode to episode, there are a lot of fights. That makes sense to show about gladiators. It's one of their, their power. It's, it's one of their points of power. And it's like, the fact that, like, in a natural world, like you're saying, these beasts, these muscle, you know, beefy machines of death, they would lay waste to most people. And, and part of what drives Spartacus nuts and some of the other characters is the fact that the people with that power, with that natural muscular and skill, like those people, at least most of them, not all of them, but Spartacus, they attempt to conduct themselves with honor. They conduct to themselves with pride, honor, sincerity, and some honesty. Like, yes, there's some douchebaggery, but that's part of why everybody hates Asher, right? Is that he represents that level of dishonesty, of trying to cheat the system, of trying to pretend that you've earned it. You haven't. And these people with natural world power conducting themselves, or at least attempting, with truth and honor are met with a power structure and people with no physical power at all. But they have institutional power and they have very little to no honor. They have very little to no truth. They're not even trying. Body artist is, anytime he's being honest, truthful, or honorable, it's only in service of his goals with have nothing, which have nothing to do with honor. It's like, I mean, it's, yes, every yeah. step of the way, I will find your wife for you because it's convenient for me because then you will stay and you will trust me and connect more with me and hopefully help me out. But I will just as easily decide to kill her because that serves my purpose as well. Like, he doesn't care about honor or truth. And it's in that moment that, yes, the natural rules take over. It's just, what power do you have in this moment? And you have none. That's part of that righteous anger is because you've conducted yourself as a complete scumbag. That's the emotionally satisfying aspect to it. It was when they're writing the finale, what is the most emotionally satisfying way to resolve this? <laughs> it's not just yep. a bloodbath. I mean, it is. Yes. But it's not just that. It's all about the culmination of everything he's been feeling coming out. It's kind of like his fantasy of how I would love for this to go, Spartacus. Yeah. You know, and it plays <laughs> out exactly how he would probably imagine it yes. a thousand times. Yep. Especially once he found out, like once he put it together that, oh, Sora died because you ordered it. Oh my God. Oh, 
like ever since then. Yeah, I mean, just the the wish fulfillment aspect of the moment, what you were talking about, you know what I mean? Yeah. The way that it's defined, I would say, like, oh, I really wish that they would do this because that would be interesting, and then the show does it. Yeah. Like, it plays within the show as well. I mean, like, like kind of like what we were saying with the OC, like, when, when Sandy just says whatever he wants to. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, that's perfect because it's honest and it's true. And then for Spartacus to see it here, it was like, that's his ideal fantasy. That's his wish fulfillment. Like, I really wish the ideal thing would happen. And then it does. He made it happen. He got the opportunity. <laughs> and he has body artists under his knife, you know. And yep. it's like, these are all the things I would say. This is exactly what I would want to put you through. <laughs> yep. This is everything I would want to do. What would you do to hold your wife again? have you watch her die, I'm gonna make you become palpably aware of how powerless you are. And how there's only one guy who stands in the way. And if you had done right by me, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be in this situation. No, <laughs> that extends no, so not mean, just because he killed his wife. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not if you, slavery in general. If it hadn't, if I hadn't been taken to your house as a slave, we also wouldn't be here. But, you know, Spartacus, when he was anticipating his wife's arrival, he was planning on how to break out. Oh, yeah. You know, he wasn't planning to kill by the artist. He wasn't yeah. going to lay waste to the whole house. The bloodlust wasn't necessarily there, yeah. He just wanted to leave. You know? The righteous anger hadn't had a chance to truly build. Nah, he wasn't dead yet. Faro wasn't dead yet. You know, he wasn't... It actually was... That. Yeah, it was a circumstance that was, though shitty, completely reversible. Yeah. If he gets free and he finds his wife, well, then they can just go back about their lives. That's all they wanted. They could go back to Thrace. To get away, you know, but then when everything goes bad and you start to take these things from him, now yeah. you've gone too far and you didn't have to do it. You didn't have to kill his wife. No. You know, and you didn't have to kill Varro. That's the tragedy of it. When you yeah. see the change in Spartacus because he always was just planning his escape yeah. you know but then it turned to rage then it turned to the vengeance that ultimately yeah. almost takes down all of rome you know like, <laughs> it's just beautiful when you followed far enough you made a monster out of him you made him into this self-righteous i need to get justice for everyone ever you know the liber yeah. liberator of slaves you know like building an army yeah i'm gonna lay waste to everything i need to step up for everyone who suffered under this thing a higher destiny now you know a higher yeah. calling when all he wanted was to be left alone he just wanted to get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just didn't want to be brought into, like, in that pilot, he thinks Glamour is going to rope them into something where they get killed for somebody else's bullshit. And that's why he tries to revolt or mutiny and stuff. That's why he ends up in slavery. And then it's just, it's again, kind of what we've been talking about in other stories, like The Matrix and otherwise. It's fractals. It's the same idea in different sizes, in different levels of the narrative. It's the same thing that got him into slavery in the first place. It's the same thing he addresses later. Like, it's all just people with more power trying to exert it over you. Yeah, it's just the abuse of power and what is power and what does that mean when you have gladiators who are so physically powerful and so capable and so dangerous yes. waging war against this society of the illusion of power through money and status and prestige and all of that. Yeah, They're resources just... and, and like institutionalized yeah. customs. Yeah, and when you put the two together, put them in conflict, you have this natural world versus this society. Yeah. You know, and to have it in season three taken to its natural conclusion of, <laughs> yeah, we're literally fighting society itself now. You know, yep. we've taken it, I, we've mastered the man of Batty Artist and his, his prison, his yep. Buddhist. You know, we took out Glover. He's like a military general, you know. Yeah. He's super powerful, but ultimately, I mean, Spartacus jams a sword down his throat. But... <laughs> oh, man, he 
does. If you're not physically as powerful as I am, if you're not as mad as I am, you <laughs> yeah. lose. You know, he yeah. lost that fight. That yeah. will take it in three. Oh, and now so it's good. just he's fighting everything. He's fighting society. He's fighting Crassus, who is arguably the most powerful man in Rome. Yeah. Because not only does he have the status and the house and all of the money, the riches to wage war. Yeah. You know, he does have the physical abilities. He yes. has the prowess. He does yes. acknowledge that world as being just as important as the one that he's already in. Yeah. You know, he's dangerous. He is lethal. He is physically trained. He's brilliant. Yeah. And he's got the money and the stats. That's why he's the most powerful man in Rome. He's so got dangerous. Both. And, you know, going up against Spartacus, it's like he might be the one guy who could stop him, you know? Yeah. And he, like, because he recognized it's important. He recognized that, like, yeah, yeah, all of this is important and, like, these social rules and hierarchies and, and the status I was birthed into and have, and have made my life around as I grew up and got more prestige as I went about my life. All of that's cool. All that's important for living in this time and this place. But do not mistake. This man is skilled. This man is strong. This man is trained to kill. I need to be just as skilled, just as strong, just as deadly, or I will lose. And I mean, not just that. I mean, Crassus had it built into his into his life, the training. You know, he didn't start training because somebody asked him to go fight Spartacus. Yeah, no, he didn't start then. The whole time, you know, I mean, he's he's been built around the idea that he acknowledges the natural world and how important it is to not be soft. You know, money and power makes you soft. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he ignored all of that because he was on a higher plane. He was arguably the most honorable man we saw in the entire series, maybe even more so than Spartacus himself. Ooh. Because when he trained and when he was going to go kill Spartacus, he was doing it in defense of Rome, in defense of the society that yeah. he built. You know, in he defense sees, of order. Yeah, and he sees Spartacus as a terrorist, which he was. Yeah. You know, and he's, he has a more, more righteous, noble cause. I mean, Spartacus, his cause is very noble, but it is steeped in blood. Oh, you know, yes. It's going to be down. paid for by lots of people dying. Yeah. And quite a few of them innocent bystanders. Yeah. I mean, you're going to kill a lot of people, not necessarily personally. He didn't put a lot of swords in women and children or anything, but but the fight itself, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage here. Yeah, he wants to tear down an entire society because of its ugly side. Yeah. You know what I mean? This, the slavery and all the injustice and, like, that's just one aspect of Rome. But yeah. he wants to destroy everything. Yeah, he doesn't want incremental change. He wants no. to burn the whole thing down and start over because at this level of anger and this level of institutionalism of, the like, the of slavery and everything else. He doesn't see it as, like, what's the other way? There isn't one. And he's so mad, he's not necessarily interested in any other way. And I would argue that Rome, the way that it is built, yeah, it should be torn down. I'm on Spartacus's side. Oh, yeah. But from Crassus' perspective, <laughs> I mean, he is trying to maintain order. He is trying to save their way of life. It has an ugly side, but there is a lot of beauty here. There's a lot well. of good. There's a lot of advancement. There's a lot of... Yeah. There's a lot of good. And he's in fighting a, for all of it, you know? I mean, so yeah. he is extremely honorable and he is the most powerful man and for season three that's an ideal man to have this character you know, I mean his son's a scumbag oh but, yeah you know I mean he is a great character he's a great adversary and antagonist to Spartacus yeah. because we've now taken this idea of you know primalism versus society and we had it with Spartacus against body artists yeah. you know, who was soft and weak and then he, he <laughs> yeah. takes on Glover who has the same prestige and the same power that body artist did but he's yeah. not soft you know I mean he is a soldier 
soldier. Yeah. You know, he's he not does. a gladiator, but he is no. a trained soldier and commander of an army. Like, he does acknowledge that side of the world, you know, the primalism of it. And then when Spartacus goes up against Crassus, he's fighting a guy who has, you know, two feet in both sides here, you know? <laughs> he's a four-footer. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got one foot on one side, one foot on the other. You know, he's dipping his toes into both pools. He's, he's in both worlds. You know, he's a fully actualized man here. You know, yeah. he lives in both worlds and he synthesized the two together to make this very formidable foe. I mean, Spartacus is not as skilled strategically. He doesn't have the resources. No. He is at a disadvantage. Crassus yeah. has got him beat in a lot of ways, and ultimately, Spartacus does lose to this man because of that fact. Yes. Because Crassus had the best of both worlds. But, like, but it is good, and this is this ties in uh, something I definitely wanted to mention. It's, it's the ending. We'll get to that in a second, actually. The He, he does in the fight with Crassus, right at the end there, he does have him under his blade. Like, he bested him. He beat him, yeah. He bested that guy. And then is only stopped by the fact that he has an army. Yeah. There are other soldiers coming up the hill and throwing spears through Spartacus. Oh, and it's like, it's... oh, and they're both surprised. <laughs> like, Cat Crass is like, whoa. And then Spartacus is like, oh my god, what's going through my stomach? Like, uh, it's... When, yeah, I mean, when it is man against man, just straight, let's duke it out. Spartacus was born in this primal world. He is the bringer of rain. Yeah. You may have tried train crassus but you're soft but because you're rich because yeah. you're living in luxury because you don't have both feet in one side yeah because you're straddling the fence and you know oh, i got the best of both worlds yeah but spartacus is 100 percent primal yeah he wants it more he's driven by something not honor oh yeah he's driven by rage he's oh, driven man. by revenge he's driven by oh. love for his dead wife crassus doesn't yep. have that motivation no nope. his heart isn't in it nearly as much no that's why he loses that's why spartacus yeah. can take three spears and still stand back up <laughs> and like that last fight when he's he's hacking at, at Crassus and we're getting flashes of like everything that's fueling this fire we're getting flashes of his wife we're getting flashes of everyone who's died and it's just the rage at every bad thing that's happened to him He's taking it out in this fight on this man and that's part of why he beats him it's moments later that he has him on the ground and then gets speared. Yeah, and then, you know, his, his soldiers come to his rescue and Spartacus is overwhelmed. He is just a man. You know, he can't take three spears through his body yeah. and survive. It's Ooh. like he's not trying to survive. This is it. Yeah. This is the stand. This is what everything's been building towards. Yeah. And it's not just the two men, but it's also, you know, the army behind him. Like, Spartacus' yeah. army is driven by the same rage and passion. Yeah. Crassus's army, they're soldiers. They're here for money. It's a job to them. They've been bullied you know? into it or paid to be here or whatever. Like, they don't have nearly a person as personal uh, a hook into this. No, I mean, I would say Crassus and I would say Caesar are the only two on that side fighting for Rome where it's not just about being a soldier, not about yeah. honor and duty. I mean, they're reaching for something higher. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, that once Crassus's army, like a couple of his soldiers, do throw spears in Spartacus's back, but then, very shortly after that, it's Agron and a few of Spartacus's guys who take out those soldiers and, like, kind of half-kick Crassus off the cliff a little bit so he's down there now and they've got Spartacus so he doesn't he doesn't die here no he didn't lose the fight no he totally know. won and that's and that maybe why and this is what I wanted to talk about that the end of the show of the story partly because you gotta match up with what history tells us happened or at least try right yeah you should like, I mean all of our people go down all of our main characters that we love meet tragic fates as far as like they don't live but like I, you don't walk away from the story feeling like bad you don't walk away going oh what a crap end 
No, because they didn't lose. They did everything they wanted to do. And you do know that Rome falls. I mean, that's part of the larger well, context yes. of <laughs> large, historical fiction. In a large span of history, we do yeah. know Rome's empire eventually falls. It crumbles from within because we've seen that corruption. That's what led to its downfall. And that is what the series was about. That these gladiators, while they are killers, they are pure of heart. They are much better people. We get to see the scumbag yeah. and the corruption of the aristocratic society. Yeah. We get to see how terrible and ugly and twisted they are. Like, they're monsters, you know? Yeah. We get to see that. And the way that they yeah. deal with it, you know? And the way that they exude their power and the way that... Well, how they use it. Nobody uses it. Not on Spartacus, the show, anyway. Yeah. Nobody uses it for noble intentions. That's why seeing Crassus yeah. try a little bit on his side, it was so different from everybody else that we've seen. Yeah, he had a measure of honor. He had a measure yeah. of truth in him. Everybody else was completely devoid of it. Yeah. The it slaves all... were better people. <laughs> so to have that context and understanding that Rome falls because of that inherent corruption. Everything we've yeah. seen was a dramatization of this broken society, how it created these other type of monsters and these slaves and, you know, the terrorists. He's like, oh man, we, we created supervillains. Yeah, we created our own undoing. That tried to take us down and they were driven by just, you know, uh, piss and shit, you know? <laughs> the, the vinegar in their veins. Like, it all just, the animosity raging up against it boiled over. You, you step on somebody long enough and eventually they will almost crush this society like a wave. Yeah. So when we get to see all the characters ending in a way that they did do that, I mean, they shook the bones of Rome. That's what yeah. Crassus wanted. Yep. That's what he did. He was re literally bringing an army to the gates of Rome and they were going to win. Yeah. And then it was just, no, last minute. Uh, oh man, Crassus uh, doesn't quite make it. He reached for the sun and he got halfway there, you know? <laughs> Which is so much greater than anything he would have achieved in the arena. I mean, yeah. if it was about him going from a slave to becoming a legend, he did. Oh, so he's making a show about a real man who existed, you know? Yeah. It's like he's in the history books, man. Your name lives on forever. Yeah. You're part of this mythos now. Same as Spartacus. Yeah. Same as Gannicus. Same as Animaeus. You know, these were yeah. real men. Yeah. I mean, we all, yeah, like history only knows so much about them. In but... name, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they made up everything else. But yeah. the idea of doing something so profound that it lives on. And so, I mean, he is immortalized. Yeah. He didn't do what he tried to do, but he got absurdly close. Uh, he got damn close. It was, yeah. uh... And Spartacus, you know, showing that this is what happens when you try to enslave people. This is what happens when your society is corrupt. It does build up. It does try to take you over. But that's not what took Rome down. It was the scumbags took themselves down. Yeah. Their own corruption eventually ate away at them, and society crumbles. And it's like they eventually got what they wanted. You know, <laughs> yeah. Justice. I mean, long after they're dead. Long after they're dead. But I mean, that's part of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's part of. You couldn't do it with your fists. You know, but it does eventually happen. Justice eventually does win out. Yeah. So it's just it, it goes much broader. I mean, it's not necessarily rocket boots series finale, but more of a historical, yeah. philosophical. I see how it plays out on a grand scale but and, and some beautiful transcendent moments like like the oh no of Crixus dying as as angry as you are that that little shit takes him out as pissed off as you are that like no you want him to make it you want him to go to Rome and burn it down but like even in that frustration there's still like a oh but it is there is almost a gloriousness to how close he got and how many people it's, it took 
He's surrounded by a literal army when he goes down. Yeah, it's Rome, like Rome had to throw everything they had at him, and almost wasn't enough. Yep, you know almost I mean? didn't get him. It's right there. It just shows how badass Crixus is. You know yeah. how just how how glorious he is. Yes. You know what I mean? Like how he managed to become a god. You yeah. know. And we get we get a similar thing with with some tragedy, but not as much. I feel with Gannicus. Oh man, I feel like Gannicus is even more tragic. I mean, well, I mean, yes, yes and no. Like I, I feel like the transcendence is turned up to eleven. Oh yeah. I as mean, far as an audience member is concerned, like, and maybe even him as he's dying. Like that moment is just heartbreaking and beautiful at the same time. say this i've never seen a show or a story where the in the end you don't just feel for the main character like oh that's where the heartbreak was wrapped up in you know seeing spartacus you know on his deathbed talking about how he's gonna see his wife again in the afterlife yeah. you know, i can't wait Why to hear I... his real name on her lips you know to oh, say his real name so good. spartacus is not his name it's a slave name and gladiator name and as an audience we don't know it they've never yeah. said it we don't get to know it because all we know is the legend of Spartacus. We exactly. get to know him now. And that almost points to how special it is because we know we've been excluded even. Spartacus. But it's not my name. We should finally hear it again. Given voice by loving wife. between him and his wife, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the purest part of his heart. And he, that's all he cares about is to see her again. He's gonna uh, die. He knows he's gonna die. Oh, yeah. Everybody dies, and that's all he cares about. That in itself is heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, but then we also get to see the heartbreak with Crixus, to, to see him almost reach yeah. his dream, to yeah. have his wrath just spread out on Rome and, and to have him lose his head it's, it's heartbreaking and in front of Navia in front of Navia yeah she gets to watch uh, as, his, as he loses his, his head, head. <laughs> exact same holy crap <laughs> he just lost he's dead yeah. that in itself is heartbreaking for a completely different reason yeah and when we get to see Gannicus's death i mean oh, i mean that one messed me up the most that one got to me arguably yeah the it's the most poetic it's the most beautiful yes. because it was the full fulfillment of his spirit of who this guy was yeah that he gets over what he's the best of all of the warriors and he just gets overwhelmed he, he can't fight an army by himself <laughs> so when he's surrounded they get him, but yeah. he doesn't die in battle. You know, oh. he doesn't get to die in the arena. Oh. They crucify him, oh. and they leave him for dead. They leave him to, you know, die from thirst and heat oh. exposure. There's nothing glorious about this. It's ugly. Yeah, and but yet, like, but the way they play it, you don't, it's like they don't want you to feel how how ugly and terrible it is that, like, a glorious death was stolen from him. I mean, like, yes, that's there. That's in the content, of course. But, but the emotion that they want you on, that wavelength that they want you riding. They almost want you in Gannicus's head. Where because of the man he is, yes, he didn't die in battle. Yes, he's been painfully crucified to a cross. But what is he feeling and doing and thinking in this moment? And it's just all the people he loved and then being in the arena surrounded by people cheering. <laughs> Thank you.
tried to take his freedom from him in death, and you didn't do it. And it lived in his heart so clearly, so truly, that even in death, he's there. You didn't get me. Yeah, you didn't break him at all. You didn't get to take that from him. You tried to take the glorious death from him, and he gave it to himself. Yes. You can't have it. And it's even more He's a true free man. Yeah. And I mean, I love the poetry of him being crucified, because if you remember, in in Vengeance, in Season 2, the reason why he joins Spartacus' fight is because he was in the town square, and he sees Glover crucifying that that slave girl for saying Spartacus' name. She was affiliated with Spartacus just vaguely oh, yeah, just, just an idea she was spreading rumors she was spreading the idea of rebellion and they crucified her and Ganicus is standing there and he's watching this happen and he just thinks this cannot stand the yeah. injustice cannot be ignored so yeah. to crucify him uh, the reason why he got into the fight the symmetry there the poetry of it yeah. it's beautiful uh, and then for him to say you didn't beat me you can't take what I care about from me he gets to see Animaeus his friend turns and smiles at him yep. and he hears his name being chanted in the arena oh. and that's how he goes out oh. it's beautiful it's it's better than Crixus it's better than Spartacus it's yeah in the beauty and the poetry of it I, I've never seen that but I was amazing oh. that you could give everybody the end that they deserve and to make a completely different point and there's nothing yeah. repetitive about their ends because they were all fighting for a different reason and they were on different yeah. paths and they were different men yeah all these deaths they mean different things and they don't take away from each other either no they complement each other that's an important point that you could in a different show be like oh I just love the Gannicus character so much I'm gonna put all this effort and time and energy into crafting an amazing ending for him and then I'm gonna screw up on Spartacus because the points I'm making over here with Gannicus like sort of accidentally butt into the themes or the ideas with Spartacus's death but I care about him more or I care about him less you could have seen lesser talents screwing it up Mm-hmm. And being like, I love this character more, or I love this idea more. Playing and, favorites, and you know, Spartacus is the main character, so he should have all of the juice. Yeah, like, let's give it all to him, and then everybody kind of sort of gets an ending, maybe. It's like, no, no, we gave everybody this beautiful, different end to their journey. They're all the star of their own story, and that you really proved it. Yeah, and they all do complement each other. They all don't take away from each other. You could argue they all enhance each other. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, we should uh, we should wrap it up. We've been going for a while here. Okay. Let's uh, let's take a hit at it. What you know? Ah, it's probably not going to be short. But what do you think the takeaway is? I can do it very quickly. Let me let me okay. say this. I know what the takeaway is. Okay. Because that's what I think about every time somebody mentions Spartacus to me. Okay. Is that I've never seen a world built so elegantly and so perfectly. I already said a little bit about it before when I was talking about the primalism of the slaves versus you know the aristocratic society of the yeah. Roman you know rich scumbag. Yeah, the primal natural world versus the artifice of society, yeah. Yeah, naturalism versus society. Like, to do that and have it personified by these characters, but it was built into the fabric of literally every scene of this series. Even the Uh, way that they speak, the way that they talk. Oh, yeah, we're even talking about this. I mean, the show has a lot of style in it, not just visually, which some people complain (laughs) about, but I love it. Jupiter's Uh, cock! Oh, Jupiter's cock. Jupiter's cock. Jupiter's cock. Jupiter's fucking cock. Once again, the gods spread the cheeks to ram cock in fucking ass. 
the way that they speak, the way that they use language, and it's not just saying things like Jupiter's cock, yeah, yeah, yeah. and shit. I just like I mean, those it's, ones. It's hilarious, it's fantastic the way that they talk, but it's also, it has meaning. It's not just charm, and it's not just style. Yeah. It's that the slaves in the primalism, you know, the gladiator mentality, they speak plain. They yeah. say exactly what they mean. Yeah. They do not lie about anything, ever. They yeah. never put on airs. They never try to manipulate you with their words. Except Asher. Except Asher. Yeah, that's why everybody hated him. They rejected him. He wasn't <laughs> yeah. a gladiator. I'm you know, at a level. Was, that's he was why. playing their game. You know, he's yep. acting like one of them. One of the aristocratic yep. rich scumbags. You know, and they used language as a tool for manipulation. Yep. They never said what they meant. Oh, they yeah. were always lying, not just to each other, but to themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Batty Artist was always spinning lies. And he's always, everything yep. is all about saving face. And Lucretia is friends with people like Alithia that she doesn't even like. It's all about power. It's yep. all about manipulation. It's all about the social game. Everything. They use it like poetry. And it's very sophisticated the way that they speak. Oh, yeah. You know, it's very impressive. It is kind of like a bed of roses when the gladiators <laughs> speak, you know, like bricks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> say exactly what you mean. No time for poetry. None of that crap, man. Say what you mean. Mean yeah. what you say. Yep. And, you know, it's, you know, both ways are kind of beautiful. But one is used in the name of truth and honesty. And the other one is used in manipulation and lies. And the way that you can set that up to have these two ideas conflicting with each other. It's not just in the plot. It's not just in the circumstances. It's it's in the language. It's in the way that the characters think. The way they speak. The way they breathe. You know, I mean, yeah. the whole world this conflict is inherent to society itself, showing you that this cannot work, this cannot last. It nope. will crumble. It will, exp like, just implode itself. You use the world to make your point. You use the characterization to make your point. You used everything to make this point about society and how it's broken and what's wrong with it. Yeah. And that's, that's the takeaway. I've never seen a world so intricately designed to personify these ideas. Like, everything is moral. Everything. Yeah. The conflict, the desire, the character the style itself, everything. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> what do you think? What's, what's the takeaway? Well, you know, I definitely I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> but I think something else I would point out is like a, as a takeaway is that like uh, you see few shows that build this much action with emotional veracity. Like, that's that's a core piece of what this show's about, what this story's about. And I would almost equate it to, uh, like, uh, if, we're, if we're looking at movies for something to, to equate it to, The Crow. Mm. Where there's a, there's a beating heart of, like, revenge and wish fulfillment and action and violence. Everything is emotionally driven, yeah. Yes, like, just potently does. so. It's just dripping in emotional heat. From from our characters, you know, from the gladiators, everything is emotionally driven, so it makes them more pure. While, you know, yeah. like Batty Artists, it's all about power, and it's all about, it's an intellectual kind of thing that they're doing, and it was like, nothing is emotionally driven. Yeah. Batty, everything Batty Artists does is the name of money and power and prestige and crap like that. Nothing yeah. comes from his heart. Yeah, nothing. And it is, like, it's that. It's that. Like, you see few, uh, yeah, I would argue that you see few action shows that aren't, like, maybe cop shows. There are a few cop shows that I guess are pretty action-heavy. But, but something like this, where it's like, we're gonna get into gladiators. We're gonna do violence. Hardcore. And then to wrap it up in this beating heart of emotionalism, of, like, heated revenge and justice and, like, complete wronging. 
and then seeing what happens when you've wronged those people. That's, that's I think, unique. That's just the, the way they've executed that to, to satisfy that emotion, to satisfy that wish fulfillment with scenes like the end of season one when he's got body artists in the water and he's telling him to go to his wife. Things like that you can only really execute fully in a show that's built on a core like that. Where it's not an intellectual question, or it's not like a, you know, a mystery or thriller, or like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen. Like, like the shield, are they gonna get him? Like, you're interested, and there's, there's anxiety about whether or not it'll happen, but that's very different. This is very much more in your guts and in your heart. Yeah, this, this is the primalism, like like I was saying, the way that they can tie everything together. I mean, if you have the gladiators being a representation of a concept of you know primalism, yeah, and to have that expressed, you know, I mean, it's it's all tied up into the same thing. You're making yeah. the emotional veracity a big part of the story, as it yeah. should be, because yeah. that's what they personify. Oh yeah, like that's what it's all about here. That's what all the levels are speaking to, and that's. Part of why it's so friggin' expertly crafted. Yeah. Oh, that's good. What do you think's missing? Oh, man. I honest... Oh, you know what? The only thing I would say is the unfortunate recasting for both Spartacus and Navia. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, you can't help Spartacus. I think he was... I think Andy was fantastic. And it's one of the few shows that, oh my... How did you pull this off? That you recast your main character. And it takes a little get used to it first when Liam, uh, Liam McIntyre comes in. But... Pretty soon you're on board, and you and he's just as great. It's just different, freaking awesome. <laughs> and then also Navia, I I wish they kept her. Just again for all the reasons we've talked about before when we've gotten recasting, like Batman from uh, Begins to Dark Knight, you switched for Rachel. Here you got a Navia for the beginning, and then once we jump to Vengeance, it's a different chick, and you you lose some of the connection. You lose some of what you built up as, in a relationship between the audience and the character because the character's wearing a different face and humans ascribe their connections to kind of like well what do you look like when i interact with you that's a big part of anchoring that relationship but that too i feel like they totally get away with i feel like uh some time goes by and you're on board that's her it works i would agree i mean i think that that's the main obvious thing that's missing yeah you know, but i feel i need to say something else <laughs> okay but i'll be with it think of it because Spartacus <laughs> is almost perfect i mean that's the only was... thing that's that would be missing is, is, you know, the obvious. It's Andy Whitfield. I mean, he didn't get to keep going. Yeah. So, and that's just, you know, that's yeah, just... you miss him, man. You feel that world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, there's nothing we can do. It's like Gloria Foster not being in the Matrix 3. Like, you just can't predict these things. People die. I mean, there is... There is one slight thing. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, I like exactly how it played out. But there is the fact that Alithia was responsible for Varro's death. I mean, she, oh. she moved some things behind the scenes that Spartacus did not know about in yeah. order to orchestrate it. It was her. Yeah. And then, you know, Spartacus never knew that. Spartacus never yeah. took her out. You know what I mean? Oh, and, like, man. he did spare her in two. Yeah. Because she said that she was pregnant and stuff. Yeah. With his baby. And it was like, even if she's lying or she's not lying, she wasn't but he spares her but like if he knew yeah he it, it would. just plays into the tragedy a little bit you know and like he never got to know we never got to see that pay off yeah you know, she dies and he he never knows that it never happens yeah you know he never so that satisfaction of you know getting her too yeah and i was like that's lost a little bit but i do like the way it played out so i wouldn't say that it's 
missing. Yeah. I would just say maybe, you know, it could have gone in a different direction. And, like, that, that satisfaction of seeing him find out and then him do something about it. Yeah, that is that a is unique... Missing. We didn't get to see that. Unique quirk for a show that's so much about setting up injustices and then having them, like, met with sweet, sweet vengeance. That is one that, that did get away, that you never really saw all of that play out the way that some of the more, the larger arcs were going. Yeah, you don't get that sweet moment of shoving a sword down Glaver's throat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Alithia got what was coming to her, you know, I mean, yeah. she dies, she gets it. Yeah. yeah. But but it's not, it's not the same personal vendetta no. type thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> but, uh, so, well, let's hit it. Best and favorite. Best season? Yeah. Oh, man. That is tough. I mean, it's, <laughs> for me, it's a toss-up between one and three. Ah, you, 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 Rapscallion. It's blood and sand. That's what and, I was going to say. War of the Damned. And yeah. crimes. But, yeah. you know, I mean, and it, and it really it does kind of boil down to, I mean, you have two different Spartacuses here. I mean, you have Andy Witcher for the, for the first season. Yep. And you've got Liam McIntyre for the third here. And it, it yeah. is kind of, uh, they both did their best work there. I mean, Andy Whitfield, he only had the first season there. Yeah. And Liam McIntyre had two, and then he had three. But, you know, he his best work was definitely in three. Yeah, I mean, yeah that's true. He, know, he got a little more comfortable. He had more time. Yeah. And, and the character had somewhere to, like, grow a bit so he could kind of set step into that. Yeah, I mean, it was a bigger challenge acting-wise. I mean, like, the series finale, he brought the heat, man. Like, oh yeah, he was really pushing it to get everything he could out of it. So, I mean, it is, what do I like more? Do I like the end of season one? Do I like that season one finale? Yeah. Or do I like the series finale? Yeah. And I, 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 gotta, <laughs> I gotta say that season three was the best season. I feel, yeah. like, creatively and writing-wise, storytelling, artistically, it's got the best moments, because everything's been building toward it. When you have a show where Everyone's yeah. building towards this climax. When you finally reach it, yeah. I definitely gotta say three is the best because each one was better than the last. <laughs> but if you're asking my favorite, yeah, it's like ooh, I, I might have to say one. I mean, despite all of the beauty of the end of the third one, yeah, I gotta say that one is my favorite, even though it starts a little slow. Ah, uh, like I mean, a little. Just a little bit. I mean, we only have like 12 episodes. Yeah. It was like once it starts rolling and you're into it so much, I mean, I gotta say that the the beginning is my favorite, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every, but they're all great. I mean, I love moments oh. from two and I love moments from zero. Oh, and they're like, all good. You know what I mean? It's hard to say that my favorite is season one, the only season that doesn't have Gannicus in it. Like, I know. Gannicus is That's... arguably my favorite character. <laughs> oh, so my favorite season doesn't have my favorite character. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But, I mean, it's hard to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bones Bros for life. You literally just said all the stuff I was thinking. Okay, let me change my answer. Vengeance <laughs> is my favorite. Gods of the Arena is the best. Well, there you go. But you're wrong. I am wrong. It's one in three. <laughs> I was going to go three best, but one I think is my favorite. But I was also going to say ridiculous because Gannicus isn't here. We don't even know he exists. Yeah. And so it's like, I feel like I should pick something with Gannicus in it, but with that first season, it's just so solid. And it's got so many good pieces. The rest of it's great, too. They're amazing pieces throughout the show, but, but especially leading up to the end of that first season, it's just, oh, it's just too good. It is, and you're not used to it yet. You're watching it for the first time, so yeah. when, they, when they show their balls... Oh, you're yeah. just that much more enthralled by it. You know, by, oh, by yeah. season two, like, you know how they roll. Now you get it. You uh, know what show you're watching. Now it's, you come to expect it. But for the first season, when you sit down, you're like, I don't know if this is going to be any good. Let's take a look. Yeah. You're like, holy crap, how did I not Woo! watch this years ago? Yeah. 
I can't believe we didn't even talk about this. This show has got ginormous balls. Huge balls. I, I feel like we don't even need to talk about it. Yeah. Because if you're listening to this, you've seen it. Yes. Which means you've seen those balls. Yeah. Which, like, you want an example of, well, what do you possibly mean when a show has balls? Spartacus. Just watch Spartacus. And if you're paying attention, you will understand. It's the biggest balls I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of shows. Yeah. I've, I've seen almost all of them. No. <laughs> Number one, biggest balls. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Spartacus. I reinvented the wheel on that. Just, just do as much and as hardcore and just as dramatically useful and interesting and as hardcore as you can. Like, we're going to make moves that other people would have done maybe in season three. Maybe the end of the show. Nope, season one. And we're moving forward. Oh, you never thought that guy would die, huh? Oh, he's dead. You never thought this would happen. It's happening. It's like the plot, character, and action version of Sandy Cohen. (laughs) (laughs) It's just everything you wanted, they do. Everything you think anybody would be scared to pull off as a show and a story, they do it. They pull it off with gusto. They do it in ways you didn't even expect or didn't even realize you would love as much as you do until you're there. It also shows some real creative integrity because you see a lot with shows. They hire an actor, they have a character on the show, and they like him so much they don't want to let him go. Yep, they just they, keep him around. You could easily have done that with Fatty Artist in the first season. You know, you love John Hanna, you love his performance, you love this ridiculous character, and you want to keep him around. And I was yep. like, no, that would compromise what we're doing here. Yep. And then we got a little more of him in season zero, which was unplanned for. But no, you let him go. You yep. know what I mean? You drop him, you kill him, we're moving on. You do it. You show that in integrity that just because you love him, don't get complacent, don't keep him around, drop him, do it, move on. Yeah. That's part of the pacing, and it's all part of that idea of, no, we're gonna do it. Beginning, middle, end, and we're out. Boom. No wasted time, no treading water. Let's not make this five years because it's successful and we're making a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, man. The integrity of the story is obviously key here. They were done. That is correct. Don't pull an alias and keep Arvin Sloan around way past his due date. That's true. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So, I think it's about time to wrap it up. You got anything you wanna wanna leave the animals with? Besides all the stuff you just said? I feel like I said everything, but I will say this. The fights on this series are fantastic. Oh, they're so good. I mean, we didn't even talk about it, but like, no. there's a few other shows that come to mind when I think of like, what are the best fights? Spartacus is up there. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to throw a little love at that. It's built around fights, and they brought the heat. And they don't get boring, you know? They don't get no. repetitive. They don't get lame. It's like you see the actors really getting into it. You see them maybe not doing their own stunts, but like, they're definitely doing these fights, man. Yeah. Like, when Crixus is doing drop kicks, I mean, that's him. <laughs> that's Manu Bennett just, just killing it, you know? Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's excellent. It's fantastic. Fantastico. <laughs> All right. I think, I mean, uh, again, you wouldn't be listening to this if you'd never seen the show. But go back. Rewatch it. It's fantastic. It's got so much juice. It's just 19 different levels of amazing. Just soak it in, animals. Put it in your bones. And let it beat in your heart. All right. You got any, uh, anything you'd like to hear us specifically talk about? Or you got anything you'd like to say to us? Feel free to hit us on the emails. Bonesbros at storyshamans.tv. Uh, you know, and check out the site. You haven't been by, but somehow you're listening to this. Go check out storyshamans.tv. Watch the videos, read the blog, and you'll be all up on the cubbies and the seven-season structure where we break all this down and really get into the nitty-gritty. We didn't do it too much here. We're talking about the meta-concepts 
for Spartacus. But you want to see what you should do, what you should really get into dramatically, structurally, for a seven-season show. And we're talking every season. And what are the many, many, many different pieces of each season? Go check it out. Go hit on the top there. We got a whole thing about the seven seasons, among the other things. But with that, we'll see you next time in, in the Lone's Cave. Cave.